You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Booth Review. Welcome in to another edition of Booth Review. I'm Nick Springer filling in for Kent Swanson this week. And as always, we have a very, very exciting show ahead of us. We have a very special guest. And uh, I'm with Brandon McAnderson here. And BMAC, I'm going to let you introduce our guest and uh, take it away here. We are joined by Super Bowl champion, current NFL veteran, all pro, ultimate underdog, no longer an underdog, Chris Harris Jr. Thanks for joining us, man. Oh, yeah. No problem, man. Uh, Thanks for having me. So it's an exciting season, man. You know, this is a week to week. There's some new plateau that this team reaches. Just describe from your perspective, what things have you been super interested in following and what kind of things have stuck out to you if you followed this season? Yeah, man, just seeing how uh, guys believe they can win every game. You know, I think that was um, it was a enthusiasm, you know, a spirit that we were that was gone, you know, that where it was a point where we didn't believe that we can win a game. Right. We knew walking in this stadium, this was going to be a loss. Right. But now we feel like we can beat anybody. Right. I, I, when I see those guys warming up and then seeing those guys get ready every week and coach coming up with a coach is coming up with a game plan to win every game. Yeah. Right. You know, so uh, I think that gives those guys confidence. Um, I see the change right there. And um, that's the that's the biggest improvement I've seen. Now, from an offensive perspective, you know, Total Nicky, the offensive coordinator, is constantly talking about being the most stressful offense in the country. Give us a defender's perspective. If you were facing this offense, describe some of the reasons that it's stressful to defend all the different things that this Kansas offense can do. Well, I think first it starts with the run game. You know, his run scheme and the way he um, gets them out in space, misdirection, uh, you know, uh, quarterback option, quarterback read. You know, quarterback design run, you know. So he has so many different aspects in his run game that makes it – that's tough right there out the gate. Right. Right? Going up against a team. And, and then on top of that, we have a solid O-line, right? And now you give us two two dynamic running backs, right? right. So this, so that's even a, a bigger problem right there. So uh, the, the, the guys, uh, I think he's done an excellent job. You know, probably our best OC since Coach Warner. And, you know, it's a different t- style than Coach Warner. Coach Warner is more right. spread, you know, and this guy is more design run, man. So I'm, I'm loving it, and it, it's tough, man. It's tough every week. Yeah, describe, like, just give us a perspective because, you know, this Kansas defense, one of their bugaboos has been the RPO. And then if you look yeah. around the league, every quarterback-friendly system in the league is an RPO system. So just describe, like, how difficult it is when you're out there on that island and still having to worry about your run fits and run responsibilities, but a guy yeah. can run right by you, run a post, whatever the case may be. Just describe some of the complications yeah. that RPO gives you. Yeah, it's just uh, really it's about studying and, and game planning, understanding what formations they love to run the RPOs. And um, I never really had a problem in the league with RPOs like that because I understood the formations. I understood if I have the running back to me and he's wide split, you likely get RPOs from that. So uh, I always try to kind of sink inside a little bit, try to play the slant. And if guys can prepare and understand, you get certain formations uh, uh, formations on the RPO, right? And they usually catch you, you know, Lamar Jackson, them will catch you slipping, right? And, and that's when they get those big gains. So guys just got to be able to study 
Um, now it's been out long enough now to where we're kind of slow catching up to it now. Right. You know, but the quarterback run game is uh, just making it tough on everybody, college and in the NFL. Yeah, you know, they're playing that numbers game, and now you're seeing these people try to – specifically last week, Iowa State has that super interesting 3-3-5 where they're playing a linebacker basically from safety depth. And to that kid's credit, he was good at it. And, he, and they made it yeah. hard for the Kansas offense. But I, I just think about the ways that this, these box numbers – you know, have, have reduced. So now it's a matter of how are we going to match this? You know, you throw the quarterback in there. Now the numbers are out of favor. It just gets tough. So let's go back to Ames. Uh, just as, you know, Kansas is in, has this road opportunity after a huge win, you know, traditionally under the this short distance for the light bulb regime, they've not been good after big wins. This game, they come out and they answer the bell to start the game. And then they answer the bell over and over and over, specifically on defense. Any performances that you want to highlight that you remember that kind of helped Kansas solidify a great defensive performance yeah. on the road? I mean, of course, Melo coming back with a back-to-back -back, uh, pick sixes. Yeah. Um, that's huge. Uh, Logan was all over the field. I think he had great tackles. Uh, only knock on me, I would say, is, you know, he misses a couple. So that's the only thing right. I would say, you know. Yeah. But he can, that's something that he can definitely improve. Uh, but uh, I think the defense as a whole plays solid. It's always tough going to Ames. People don't understand. It's hard no playing there. No right? It's not easy yeah. playing there and getting a win there. Right? right. So to see that team go mentally, uh, they could have really, you know, uh, took on the hype after being OU. Right. And really not put their work in, not study. But that was a that that really showed us that we really took the next step in the program, right? To yeah. really beat our OU team and then go on the road to beat a tough Iowa State team. Right, that's a major jump. So uh, if I'm these guys, I'd be confident to try to go win, win out the rest of the season. Yeah, you know, and I kind of think about going back to our Orange Bowl year. I know you were, you know, you were super young. So I know you were just like, man, let's just keep it going. Let's keep fighting. But there were moments where our experience had been much different than that. You know, we had blown those type of games, you know, at Iowa State. We'd not been able to close those and finish them. And then once we got over that hump in Manhattan, it just felt different. You know, like we beat a good yeah. team, we beat a good K-State team in Manhattan, and it was like, well, we can do this every week. You know, we, we kind of felt like we could anyway. But just describe yeah. how you felt in those moments and what it was like for you as a player and hopefully how these things kind of transpired for this group going forward. Yeah. Uh, like you said, man, when we, we you never know how good you are until you go on the road and you face a tough team. And uh, that, I remember Orange Bowl year, we didn't really know until we had to go on the road and see K-State. You know, Jordy yeah. Nelson, Josh Freeman. You know, they had, uh, you know, a long list of guys. So I think going out there, giving that win, that gave us a lot of confidence. I think us beating OU, that was a huge game. And it was kind of like two seasons in one for KU this year, you know. Yeah. It was so much hype for Jalen, right? And then he right. just hadn't been able to stay healthy. And then now we had to kind of reconstruct the offense, you know, the system a little bit to fit me, right? Yeah. And uh, the, they both can scramble, but they're, they're two different type of quarterbacks. For sure. Right. So now uh, you got to tip your hat to the OC, being able to maximize uh, Jason Beam, uh, being able to still, you know, help him go out there and be productive, making plays, and uh, being able to get some big wins, man. So um, that no, that's nobody expected him to be playing this much, right? Uh, I expected him to probably play a couple, a little bit, but you know, seeing Daniels uh, not play at all this year, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him next year. Absolutely. And Jason's been incredible. And it's one of the things I think people miss on Jason is that, you know, he was wanting to move on because he wanted to prepare for a pro career. 
You know, he wanted to show that he could play another position and use that speed to do something else. I think it's been incredibly unselfish to come back to the team and play quarterback, you know, knowing that that might not be the position that he's qualifying for at the next level. And you've been there and you know what kind of dedication that takes. What does that say about Jason and his commitment to the program and the team? Oh, man. I mean, I'm. Who's to say that he doesn't get a shot at quarterback? Right. You never know the way he's playing right now. Right. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know why he would count himself out like that. You know, I think, you know, the quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, you can see uh, this is probably the most years we had backups. Right? right. So the backups are, it's wide open, man. So if you can improve and, you know, get better and better as, as the season ends and then uh, have good um, uh, senior bowls, whatever, and then, a solid pro day, you never know. If I'm him at pro day, I'm running receiver routes and throwing right. the ball. So, you know, so got to yeah. do whatever I can, you know, to try to get some type of shot. But I think the way he's playing, man, he, he definitely deserves it. You know, they t- they some teams pick up four, three quarterbacks. So, I wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to go uh, definitely give him a look. Absolutely. As you, as you mentioned, he's number 20 in the country in QBR. He's number three in the Big 12. His numbers are awesome. His touchdown to interception ratio is awesome. And my favorite thing about him is he gets better every week. You know, and a yeah. guy that's in his sixth year, that's unique. You know, guys yeah. that are older in their career aren't usually improving skill by skill. I think that's been my favorite part of him. Now, I want to throw back to the Orange Bowl year. You mentioned Melo back-to-back pick sixes. He's kind of been in the position that you were in early in your career where Everybody was staying away from a key and you were getting a ton of reps and getting better yeah. rapidly. Just describe what that what that was like for you and how some of the similarities you've seen in Melo's growth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I think um, um, he's definitely at a different standpoint than where I was, you know, being fresh, uh, being a freshman, you know, fr- wet behind the ears, just coming right in yeah. starting opposite of All-American. Right. That's right. totally different. You know, so it was a lot of pressure. Uh, it was definitely a lot of pressure and, uh, you know, wanted to be a strong point to the team. Didn't want to be a weak link, you know, right. and uh, and want to be able to go out there and make plays. So that was just always my goal is doing whatever I could to contribute. And, you know, man, Gino used to always, and Coach Young used to be like, hey, just go out there and play hard, play your game. And, you know, we know you're going to play tough. And uh, those guys really gave me a lot of confidence early uh, in my uh, career at KU. So. But uh, with Melo, man, uh, I think he's definitely improved. He has great size, uh, long corner. Um, same thing with Kobe. So these two guys, I think, definitely have great potential to play in the league. Um, when you find DBs that can get the ball, right, and also not only get the ball, go score, right, and then they're 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 they've been they haven't been a weak link in tackling, right? Not they've all. been great tackles, great tacklers. So I think those two guys definitely have a great shot. Um, they proved it every week. Um, so as long as they continue to play, play tough this year, man, and I, hopefully we should have two all Big 12 corners. Kobe should have a chance to get All-American. I don't know what his numbers is compared to all the all the top DBs in the nation. But uh, Big 12, I mean, who's better than Kobe right now in the Big 12? I, I don't know. I so no. I haven't seen anybody. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, so I think he definitely, um, you know, you kind of got to pub him for these things, right? right? We got to... You know, market these, you know, market these guys and kind of get it out there. Push for them to get All-American because uh, they're having those type of years, right? So um, I think uh, that's that's our job as, you know, fans, former players, KU alum, uh, you know, coaches, uh, you know, the whole school of being able to get, make sure these guys get the right for recognition that they deserve. Now, I want to touch on one more DB, and this is just as a personal fan. I love O.J. Burroughs. 
I love the anticipation he plays with. He's a he's a short tackler, like you mentioned, and he's a smaller guy. Like, you know, you're not used to seeing 5'10", 180 pound safeties that come up and make plays the way he does. What's your evaluation of OJ yeah. and the ceiling of a guy that's performing as well as he is right now? Yeah. Oh, man, I think he's playing solid too, man. You know, being able to have – we got a lot of good depth. You know, yeah. I think um, secondary-wise, they've done a great job of being able to to get uh, solid recruits and be able to continue to get depth. Somebody goes down. Um, we've had solid replacements, you know, whether it's Lassiner. I think that's his name. Is that number yeah. eight? Yeah. yeah. I think – I mean, he's solid, you know. So, yeah. um, uh, secondary, I've been much impressed with them. Uh, I think they – as long as they could just continue to uh, improve, you know, we have a couple bonehead mistakes here and there, but I think uh, as as the season goes, man, I think we should. I don't know what they rank right now, but uh, we should be in the top ten in the nation. You know, yeah, especially sure. with the uh, way we're way that we've been playing the last probably month. For sure, yeah. There's been a there's been big improvements across the board. Now I'm going to give you a fantasy scenario. You come back freshman, Chris Harris. We know at Bixby, Oklahoma, we know what you yeah. heard with the ball in your hand. So we weren't just a DB. We know what you're yeah. on the hoop score. We know that athletic transfer. If you could choose right now, would you play offense for this team or would you play defense? What? Give me a give yeah. me some background on why and what you could choose. Oh man, I would probably just to have fun, man. I'd probably try to play free safety, man. Let oh, let okay. any to the dirty work, you know, just chill and let let Melo and Kobe do their thing, and yeah. Nick just go follow the ball, man. So I think that would be fun, definitely to go back in in time and play with these guys, man. So. And just seeing them, man, being around them, going in the locker room, and, man, these guys want it, you know. These guys are hungry, and uh, they got a taste of some, you know, victory now. So now it's, you know, that's the standard now. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm liking where we're at. Yeah, I could see you patrolling the middle of the field. That wouldn't be so bad, coming up with some picks. You know, you want to pick oh, yeah. somebody. Here comes Chris Harris right through that gap, taking care of that pick, getting it to the house like a, a couple guys have this season. I think we've got. I believe at least three touchdowns on defense, maybe more. So that's you always four. Four. Yeah, Nick's four. Four. Yeah. four. Nello so has two. Kobe yeah. has one. I think yeah. Logan. Then, that's uh, any, come on. Yeah. Four touchdowns out of your secondary. Right? right? There are some no flies on. This is what we were doing. Like, there are yeah. some like different. Uh, how many teams in the nation have this many touchdowns? I don't know. We got to get the stats on this. Yeah. But so uh, we're up there. Tied. KU's tied for first with four with like six other schools. So okay, they are they're at the top. They're at the top. We're at the top, man. Yeah. So it, like we're like we're seeing, man. They're they're playing elite football, and um, I I, I love the D coordinator too, right? We all we get a we get a lot of you know pub to the offensive guy, but uh, the D coordinator they they're solid. They have a, a tight game plan every week. They don't um they don't do too much, right? He's not exotic. But they all know what to do, right? Yeah. When you can keep it simple and guys can play fast, that worked, right? And you see a lot of teams, they do a lot of exotic stays, a lot of blitzes, a lot of different things. Yeah. But you, man, we just play solid football. We don't really – teams know where we're going to be in, right? It's yeah. not a disguise, but these guys are able to play the scheme correctly and um, and play it tight every week. So that's what I'm noticing from watching the guy. And um, I, I love both the OCs. I think they're doing great. Absolutely. I love the defense coordinator. I thought the Iowa State game was the most rhythm that they had in terms of play calling. You know, and yeah. they, you know, he's not exotic, but when you get him in third and long, he's got some stuff. You know, he had yeah. some stuff he was still at. I liked his edge blitzes. He brought guys off the edge uh, that were in the slot. Um, you know, yeah. he's just uh, 
he's a guy that's getting the rhythm. And sometimes on defense, you don't get the amount of credit for your creativity and your execution. But as you mentioned, he definitely deserves all the credit for the game plan he put up against Ames. And I'm looking to see if this run defense can continue to win first and second down. We start to see yeah. a more, you know, a more dynamic, a more, you know, more stuff, more junk, more different looks. Because I think he's got them. It's just a matter of can they earn them as a defensive unit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the key to be able to get picks, too. Win first, yeah. second down. Um, let's get in some third and longs. Let's sit in the D-line, you know. Uh, D-line's been coming, right? Yeah. Be able to get those guys rolling. And, and and that's when our secondary is allowed to be getting these pick sixes, man. So that's what we got to do. And um, that's the key to the recipe to get some wins. Turnover. Hey, thanks, thanks for joining us, man. I, I love yeah. when the defensive ends can pin their ears back and go get the quarterback. We love when you can pin your ears back and come tell us about this defense. We're going to have yeah. you back, man. Thanks for joining us on the Booth Review. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back in the booth review and shout out to our main man, Chris Harris for coming through and uh, talking some ball brand be back. That was, that was great. Great insight from Chris Harris there. Yeah. I, you know what? I wanted him on the show cause he's been down a couple of times and we've had some sideline conversations and he just sees it differently. You know, like it's, he sees it from that defensive back perspective. He sees it from, you know, tediously studying film as an NFL player. You know, that part is just, that's the part you don't see. You know, you see the, you see the athletic accomplishment. You see the tackles, the pick sixes, and all the great things he did. But what made those DBs great, guys like Akeem and Curtis, study habits. You know, they were 
excuse me, they were just football nerds that stayed in that film room, learned everything about the positions, the formations to put themselves just that 1% upper hand, you know, the true chess game of football, that guy plays it as well as anybody and he can talk as well as anybody as well. Before we get into more KU football, I do want to give a shout out to Home Field Apparel. They are one of our sponsors here on the Boots Review, and they have some excellent, excellent uh, apparel that you can get at homefieldapparel.com. They actually just dropped a uh, KU bomber jacket, BMAC. I don't know if you saw that. Oh. You're, in the, you're in the bomber jacket types. Uh, but they've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. Uh, they've even got some wonderful, wonderful sweatpants that I have that are just so comfortable. Uh, and so if you want more apparel from KU, they also got over 100 different schools over there on homefieldapparel.com. Be sure to check them out at homefieldapparel.com. All right, BMAC, KU gets a big win on the road against Iowa State. Kansas State's on the horizon. And you got this kind of game sandwich in between here with Texas Tech, a team that has certainly underperformed, I think, compared to what people thought they were going to be. Well, what's kind of your thoughts on this game against Texas Tech with the K-State game coming up next? You know, like like a lot of games in a Big 12, I see a comparable team. You know, I see a team that's capable. I see a team that has a ton of talent. I see a team that's been playing a young quarterback that's starting to improve. You know, one of my things about Texas Tech in general was they're, they look they want to throw the ball down the field really bad. And even if the people around them don't support that type of play. So it, and I think that's what's led to them having so much turnovers is that they, they want to push the ball down the field. They want to throw longer routes. And that's good. And that's fun. The problem is, is you got to protect your quarterback longer. And you gotta you got to be able to defend blitzes longer. And you got to have a confident, comfortable quarterback up there. And with Taylor Shuck, they had that. They had a veteran quarterback that had been around, that had played in the system multiple years and was comfortable in it. But since he's injury, they've had younger players try to get into a system that's hard for younger players to fit into. But I think they're doing a good job of adapting the system. And we're going to see the best version of Texas Tech on Saturday. They've got talent everywhere. I don't think that was ever in question. I think it's a matter of Kansas continuing to come out and execute and play a comparable team, just like the team you saw at Ames. You know, a very comparable team to Kansas where execution is going to be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, when I look at Texas Tech, one of the things that kind of popped out to me is, so they're, they're sitting at 4-5 and five, BMAC, and their last game of the season is against Texas. So feasibly, if they want to still try to make a bowl game, probably their best chance is to win these next two games before they go play Texas, which means I feel like this is going to be a desperate Texas Tech team coming in to play Kansas. So the Jocks are definitely going to have to be turned up. But BMAC, we know KU has been great at home so far this season. Tell me a little bit more about the booth. What do you think makes the booth special this season for KU and why they've been so successful more at home? You know, I think they've been locked in. You know, I think the the defense is just more locked in. You know, we we sit in those pressers and we ask every week, you know, 22 points on the road, 22 points at home, 38 on the road. What's the difference? Blah, blah, blah. Well, if you look at the Iowa State game as a good example, as what has been primarily an outlier, they played a game very similar to how they played home. They tackled well which is, to me, every time you're wondering about the Kansas defense, it's they tackled. And, and if they tackled, they probably were in a pretty good position. Like, you know, like Chris mentioned, we don't do a lot on defense. You know, they're cover four shell. They like some they like some pressure here and there. They like to get pressure with four, so they don't have to blitz a lot. I and mean, when you have bookends like uh, Booker and uh, Jeremy Robinson, you don't need to. And then you've got all the defensive line depth inside. You can move DJ Withers inside. You can pop. J.B. Brown outside. I mean, you just have unlimited options. So it's it's a matter of playing a very basic style. But in order to do that, you got to attack. You know, like it's a bend but don't break defense for the most part. I will say Borland has become more than that. Obviously, they've been much more diverse this season in terms of, you know, running some man on early downs, you know, uh, 
Uh, man free was what they went to against Oklahoma that kind of shut down that late run game. So it's not as if they've only done one thing, but I think traditionally they want to be a bend but don't break. In order to do that, you have to tackle. And, and when they tackle, they play well. I thought the guy that was a big difference in Ames was Craig Young. Uh, Craig Young was incredible. And he made tackles in open field when he had to that were awesome. He was in coverage, locked up. He saved a touchdown on the goal, on a red zone opportunity. He was able to knock the ball away, uh, triggered on a slot blitz and got a sack. I just really liked the way that Craig played and is a good example of just the different guys that showed up in Ames and made huge difference. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Craig Young because Brian Boyle actually talked about how for the Iowa State game, they kind of pared down some of his what he was having to do. It took some off his plate is what he said, uh, which basically seemed to maybe free him up to do more, right? And he, he brought up the point of, if you have a guy playing, you know, 60, 70 snaps a game and he's getting tired or you play 40 to 45 or 50 snaps, you might be more effective for those 40 snaps. So I, I kind of felt like Craig Young, maybe w- with more less on his plate, was a little bit more successful in that game against Iowa State, which I thought was which really impressive. And, and he kind of brought up the fact that Jason Gilliam coming along kind of helps free up Craig Young a little bit more. Absolutely. And, and you talked about just having that, you know, 60 plays versus 40 plays. But 20 plays of Jason Gilliam, that guy's like uh, John McClain and Die Hard. He plays as hard as humanly possible. I just imagine him, you know, coming off the field with a gash covering his whole chest, you know, taped up, you know, with a dirty tank top. He's got a lot of John McClain vibes. He just plays so hard. So if he's in the game, he's going to make something happen just by effort. You know, we've seen him make tackles for loss from behind. He'll blitz and run down a screen. You know, it's, 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 amplifying two people instead of limiting one. And, and that's kind of what Coach Boylan was talking about in terms of getting a rotation at that position. And not just at that position, you're seeing it at other positions as well, where Cordell Wheeler and Rich Miller, two guys that bring different things to the table, but both very effective. Cordell is a short tackler. Uh, he's an impact tackler. He hits people hard. He can line up on the line of scrimmage. He can cover. Uh, he got the big interception at UT. So you're starting to see that the depth is not just depth. It's another type of player bringing another skill set that they can use and, and be multiple still by doing a lot less. So, you know, we mentioned the guys outside, but how about a guy like Caleb Taylor, who was immovable yeah. on double teams, you know, a guy that you couldn't even move. And if someone would have told you that Kansas was down there starting defensive tackles, you wouldn't have noticed. Because the guys that stepped up and played, you know, you know, Devin Phillips has been awesome this year. He's been awesome. Caleb Taylor just was like, I'll, I'll just be Devin Phillips today. You know, have to, you know, get a sack, you know, push the pile, make it hard to run the football inside. I just, uh, I've been so impressed by their depth and not just, you know, everybody says the next man's up, right? I mean, you hear that, you can go to a press conference in a hundred and, you know, whatever many schools there are in, in, you know, in major college football. And they'd all say the next man up. But these guys come in and they're hungry. They make plays. They're productive. Patrick Joyner Jr.'s of the world. You know, Hayden Hatcher's when he gets his opportunities, look healthy again. Uh, down at Ames, I think that'll make a difference. So this defense is rounding into shape for sure. Yeah, being like, I'm curious for your perspective on this. You know, Iowa State runs at 3-3 kind of front, and Texas Tech does some of the similar stuff as well. I'm just curious from a running back perspective, does that kind of change maybe how you read when you're on a run if you're if, if it's against that kind of 3-3 front? Or how does that affect, you think, maybe KU's running game? Uh, you know, they weren't maybe as successful against Iowa State, but does that change? You think as a running from a running back perspective, when you're when you're taking the ball and you're looking to see where the, where the holes are, how, how how do you approach that? So I think for me, especially on the zone runs, when you get into a man running opportunity, and a man concept is when they're pulling those guards and tight ends, and you know you'll see Devin Neal follow them around and have to be patient. There's not a whole lot you can do. 
Sometimes there's a back door you can escape out of. Otherwise, you've got to get to the front side and make a play, regardless of the snark. But an inside zone is where you really have the chance to manipulate defenders. What I'll say about Iowa State is nobody plays defense like that. Uh, Reeler, number 17, was playing linebacker from safety depth. And that was the difference in the game. He was able to play linebacker from 12 yards away. Sometimes he could walk up and play linebacker anyway. He was excellent. I thought he was, I thought Iowa State was the best defense we played all year. And I thought he's the second best individual player I've seen outside of Colin Oliver. And I think when you look at it, if you're manipulating gaps as a runner, you cannot manipulate players that aren't in the gap count. I know that sounds very confusing, but Freeler is playing so far away that he there's no way he has a gap responsibility. He can't. So if I'm a, if I'm an inside uh, offensive lineman like a guard like a Reed Adams, I'm not looking at him because he's playing from 12 yards, and we have different ways to deal with him. So if he comes up in the box, we're not going to count. So you've got to deal with that guy anyway, right? You always got to make one guy miss. That's usually the one guy you have to make miss. Except that guy was able to get from 12 yards to three yards instantly. So if you made it miss, and which was hard to do, and he made the tackle, it was a three-yard game. you know. And that's what was really incredible about him. Um, and he was a big difference maker. What I like about Texas Tech's 3-3-5 is I think they're more talented in the front three than Iowa State was. I think they're more athletic at those three spots. I'll be interested to see what kind of ways that they deploy that 3-3-5. But what the things that I thought made Oklahoma State unique was how big they played at those five techniques, which is those deep ends. They were defensive tackle-sized guys, and it really made our off-tackle running game hard. And then Colin Oliver was hitting like a brick every time he got near him. He made it really hard for us to get into those outside gaps. And then Iowa State, they're just unique. They're fast. They show up and make run fits really quickly. And showing up and making run fits really quickly is what sealed the game. You saw Freeler step two steps up, and Lawrence Arnold sneak behind them, and that was a touchdown that really broke Iowa State's back. So that's that. That's that line that Iowa State has to play on. Can we play run players? Can we play run responsibilities from past steps and responsibilities? And he was able to do it, which is impressive. The guy's only a true sophomore, so big, big future for that guy. I'll be interested to see how Texas Tech plays because they, they are a little bit different structurally. But you can manipulate an inside zone. It's hard on outside zone. It's hard on man game. That's interesting. And, you know, I thought you brought up a great point about Iowa State being maybe the toughest defense KU's faced. Well, you and Chris Harris kind of talked about it, but Jason Bead, man, I mean, didn't turn the ball over, was outstanding in the game against Iowa State on the road, I guess. It almost feels like you're running out of superlatives to describe how much, how far he's come over the course of uh, this season starting. But uh, just speak on that a little bit more. I mean, what did you see from him and, and what do you think made him so successful against Iowa State? I think it would be like at the beginning of the year, I would tell anyone that'll listen that Jalen Daniels is one of my favorite Jayhawks I've ever seen play. And that still stands. Jason Bean is one of my favorite players I've ever covered. Now, I'm obviously much younger in my coverage career, uh, but he's so much fun to cover because he'll make you wrong by the things he does on a football field. So you could make us, I could have made a statement about him two weeks ago that was accurate when I said it. And it just doesn't apply anymore. One of the things specifically that we've talked about on this show was there's a difference between a Jalen Daniels game plan and a Jason Bean game plan. That's not true anymore. And I think it's a product of just his growth as a passer. What I've loved about him, and that Iowa State game is a great example. I'm glad you brought that up. They took the runaway. They made it very hard for us to run the football. So basically, Jason had to go win the game. 
And he had to go win the game throwing third and six plus a lot because they were successful on first and second down. He did it. He threw on the run. Um, he gave his big receivers a chance when there was nowhere to go with the football. His timing, I thought my my favorite play was uh, they ran an RPO to, uh, you know, the run pass option to where Luke Grimm ran a flat route and Luke Grimm slipped. So we're right when he was about to trigger the football, Luke Grimm slips. He doesn't panic. He escapes to his right and throws the ball to uh, Quentin Skinner, who hadn't even come out of his break yet. And he catches the football. It's first and goal. Later on in the game, Doug Emelian on a corner route. He throws the ball when Doug's at the top of the route. He had knocked out his eyes back. He had not completed the route. Jason was not throwing with that type of anticipation. Two years ago, last year, maybe in his whole life. And what's interesting is that this coaching staff will tell you, who, who had a great kid? What's the first name they say? Jason Bean. Who, who's improved? Who had a great week of practice this week? Jason Bean. Uh, well, you know, who do you, and, it's, and it starts to feel like hyperbole. It starts to feel like maybe they're just trying to boost his confidence, right? No, he's literally getting better every week in-game adjustments, he went out and won a football game for his team that really needed him to do so. He got help from his receivers. You know, Lawrence Arnold, we're going to start calling him Big 12 LJ or something. Because I feel like every time Big 12 play starts, he's one player before that and a whole different player after that in terms of clutch plays, big hands catch. How about that early fourth down he nabbed that he basically caught the back half of the ball that kept that initial drive going that resulted in a touchdown. Um, and we already know about the previous fourth down from the from the OU game. So he's just a clutch player. And when you need when you need to something done, he can get it done for you. Yeah, I think what's most impressive about the wide receiver core, which you touched on uh, on Lawrence Arnold, is that you know none of those guys are really really number the number one guy, right? None of them are getting a ton of targets or a ton of plays, but every single one of them, when their number is called, they answer they answer the bell, right? I mean, Lawrence Arnold's been fantastic. Quinn Skinner had a had a sports center top top ten play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Luke Graham obviously has been outstanding, and I, I think it's a it's a testament to those that that group to get that that group's togetherness, right? That you know it doesn't matter which guys doing which what they all know that their number is going to get called and they're going to make a play. So I, I just thought that was so impressive from the wide receiver. Yeah, and they they're just a a group that fits the culture of the team. You know, you go out and you play early in the season. Everybody's like, "What's wrong with the receivers?" Nothing was wrong with the receivers. We were running the ball for four hundred yards a game. We didn't need a pass. So then we get into conference play. And we play UCF. And we have basically a whole game where we don't even throw the ball. I think we threw the ball 11 times. And then in the post game, it's like, yeah, we told these guys before the game that, you know, this was going to be a game where they might not touch the ball a lot. Those guys blocked as hard as humanly possible. They really did. They went out and got the job done. And you switch over to games where that run game is getting clogged up a little bit or it's successful, but it's it's a real grind. I can throw a quick out to Quentin Skinner. He can make it a 20-yard game. I can throw an RPO. Uh, to Tanaka Scott, he could take it 21 yards. There were three plays on that opening drive passes that went for 20 yards plus, all receptions to receivers. So I just think that this team, there's nothing you could say. You could not come into a game and say, if we take this away, we'll be Kansas. Because they're so multiple, they have so many guys that are willing to step up and make plays when need be, whether it be the tight end position, you know, they weren't super active in that game, but uh, Jared Casey makes that huge fourth, that huge third down catch that seals the game. So it, it doesn't have to be every play for these guys. It can be two or three plays in a series that can make the difference in the game. They'll make the plays. I love this receiving core because it's it's just nothing you're used to with receivers. There's no divas. There's nobody in the media asking for the ball. There's nobody wanting more targets. 
there's no, we used to call these WTFs. You know, you look out from the field and see a bunch of WTFs, right? You just see guys running back to the huddle. I just love their personality and they really fit with the style of play of this team. All right, Mick, you obviously, you, you know, you played, you were in the locker room. Take me in there right now. You've got this game against Texas Tech, a team that has been kind of underwhelming, and you've got maybe the biggest Sunflower showdown ever coming up, right? What do you, what do you think is the mentality in the locker room heading into this game against Texas Tech at all? So in the past, I would say this could be a trap game. And in most scenarios, you would say this could be a trap game, uh, given that Kansas's record ranking relative to Texas Tech. I don't think this team is built that way. I think that this resurgence has been so rapid and and such a direct ascension that I don't know how much time they've even had to reflect. They've been very good about compartmentalizing performances and moving on to the next one. They've done it when they failed. They've done it when they've been successful. And I think that is the difference between this team and every Kansas team since 2009. I mean, that, this is the difference between this Kansas team and everyone before it since 2009 is that they have not been able to take one game, one moment, and allow it to just be one game and one moment. This team has been special at that. Think about this. They go into the Texas game thinking, we're going to beat Texas. I think they thought they were going to beat Texas. I think as a group, they thought that was a win for them. They lose their quarterback just before the game, and I think there is like a depleted feeling that kind of reverberates through the team. They end up getting their back broken you know, by, you know, just being able to execute offense, being not getting the reps that he's used to and all these different things. They had every reason to come down and beat down and out, and they didn't. They answered the bell. They came back and won and played winning football. You know, Oklahoma State was a game that I know our fan base is slapping their knees two, three times a week about what could have been. I don't think this team is. And that was a heartbreaking loss. That was a loss that they had multiple controversial calls that contributed to it, uh, multiple missed opportunities that contributed to it. That's a game that I know they felt like they should have won. They go out and they beat OU. They don't play great. I would say they played better against Iowa State than they did against OU. And that's a testament to what they are as a team at this point. I think when you have rapid growth like this, because um, even my career was longer. You know, we had that Chandra Bowl, we're straight up. You know, next year, 04, we're back down. 05, we're back up. 06, we're stable. And then 07, we go up. This team was down and then up. And then they've been ascending since then. So I think they just have a better understanding of let's prepare for this one game. Let's get 1% better. I went to practice this week. These guys were light. They were ready to execute. They do not look like a team that's taking themselves too seriously. And I think that's important during this time of year. All right. Texas Tech is rolling into town on Saturday, 11 a.m. kick. Uh, should be a great atmosphere. It's going to be a beautiful day. I don't know if you've seen the weather, B-Mac. Yeah. It's going to be in the 60s in mid-November. We should be uh, thanking our lucky stars about that one. So uh, uh, walk me through what's what's going to happen in this game. Give me uh, your predictions for the, for this game against Texas Tech. You know I will never not look at a weather report again after what happened uh, in the OU game. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about uh, diaper, but that was me. I was completely soaked. So I will always pay attention. I'm loving the sunny weather. I can't wait to get out there. So I would look at Texas Tech in one way, in two ways. Is One is that they're a very talented team, which we all know. They'll be very comparable to us in town. On offense, the guy I'm looking at is Brooks. He's a good running back. He's built the same way of kind of the running backs that have given us trouble. You know, OU's running back Walker was built the same way, a 5'8", 5'10", up to two, you know, up to 220 pounds thick in the lower body. Those guys have been a little bit harder for us to tackle, and they run their offense through him because they have a young quarterback. So they got to be ready to show up, tackle, wrap him up, and make those plays. 
the booth has got to be going crazy because we got a young quarterback on the road and we need to get into him from not just our pass rush, not just our team defense, but our crowd and our atmosphere. This team is eight and two at home in their last 10 and undefeated this year. I expect it to stay that way. And I think they'll be able to execute well enough to win this football game. I have it 31-24. Yeah, I, I definitely think this game, you know, I think some people were surprised by uh, the the Vegas line. Is some people maybe thought it was going to be bigger uh, heading into this game. But you look at Texas Tech and some of the metrics, and they, the metrics really, really like Texas Tech. And, they, and they've underperformed in their record, but I think you can't look at their record and say, oh, this is not a good team. Because I think you're absolutely right, Benek. They, they've definitely got a lot of talent. Taj Brooks is, is top six in the nation, over 1,000 yards rushing on the season, as, as you alluded to. And uh, you know the defense is maybe not in great, but they're consistent. They've been they've been pretty yeah. solid. They're in the middle of the in the middle of the road in the Big Twelve in most of the most of the stats. So uh, yeah, I think this is a game that you certainly can't take lightly for Kansas. And uh, to your point, I don't think they are. They they seem uh, very locked in on this one. I'm going to take Kansas as well. Uh, I think uh, I'll say 34 to 24. I think it'll. I think I think you pretty much hit it square on me, Mac. I think it's going to be a pretty pretty close game early, but I think K is going to maybe pull away a little bit late. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, BMAC, before, before we get out of here? Man, I don't have any final thoughts, man. I just love the opportunity to talk about the Jayhawks again. <laughs> love that our show is called The Booth Review. I'm hoping that you guys get out there, get to the booth, pack that thing. Let's get them going. Let's give these guys an opportunity to meet every goal they've ever had because that's, you know, we live and die this stuff. We dream like they dream. Imagine your dream of waking up one day and going to a New Year's Six Bowl game to watch your favorite team. Imagine what these guys are feeling with the opportunity right in front of them in three games to play. Come out and support them and make those dreams a reality, not just for you, but for them as well. You heard the man pack the booth. Also, shout out to our uh, guest, Chris Harris, earlier in the show. He was fantastic. For Brandon McCandless, I'm Nick Springer. Thanks for listening. This has been Booth Review. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.